Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather so freely this morning to worship your holy name. And Lord, as we just sang, Lord, I pray that as we are dwelling here, Lord, that we would bless your holy name. As we open your word now to hear what you have to say to us, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Open our eyes and and ears to hear what you have to say and our hearts to respond in obedience to you, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. That'll be our primary text. Uh, We'll be there in just a moment. We're going to look at some other things first. But John chapter 21 is where we will primarily be. John chapter 21. This is an account of, this is a post-resurrection appearance um, that Jesus made to his disciples. After the resurrection, Jesus didn't hop up from the grave and go straight up into heaven. He made several appearances to many people. Uh, that's one reason we have proof of the resurrection. And this is one of those accounts where we see Jesus encountering his disciples. He had previously re- appeared to his disciples, and here we see another appearance while his disciples are fishing at the Sea of Tiberias. And Jesus appeared to seven of his disciples, and then we see later on what we're primarily going to look at is this encounter that Peter and Jesus have. We know a lot about Peter. We know a little bit about Peter. He was one of the twelve disciples. He was the first disciple that Jesus called along with his brother Andrew. Peter was one of the three that was in Jesus' inner circle. He was very close friends with Jesus. But before we look at today's text in John 21, let's look a little bit about Peter. Let's remind ourselves who Peter was. So who was Peter? Who was Peter? There are three things I want to point out as we think about who Peter is that I think are relevant to what we're talking about today. First, Peter was sincere. I believe Peter was sincere. In Matthew 14, we see this account where Jesus walks on the water. Jesus is walking on on the water. He appears to his disciples who are in the boat. And Peter, he sees Jesus. And he asks Jesus, he says, Hey, Jesus, let me me come out to you. Let me me walk on the water to you. And we see, we know the story how Peter eventually, he gets kind of nervous because of the waves around him and the storm. And he begins to sink, but he reaches his hand out and Jesus Helps him. But we see the sincerity of Peter longing to be with Jesus. He trusting Jesus. We see in Matthew 16, as, P, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, asking his disciples who the people say that he is. And some, they went through that. And then he looks at his disciples and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus says, bless you, Peter, for Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. Peter was sincere in his faith. He knew, he believed that Jesus was the Christ. We see in John 13, as Jesus is washing his disciples' feet, Jesus looks at Peter and says, and Peter Peter says, Lord, why would you wash my feet? And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, if I don't wash you, if I don't cleanse you, you have no part in me. And Peter says, well, Jesus, don't wash just my feet. Wash my hands and my head as well. Bathe me completely. Cleanse me holy. We see Peter's sincerity. But Peter also had some issues. Peter was self-reliant. Peter was self-reliant. In Luke chapter 22, we see Luke's account of Jesus foretelling of Peter's denial. And Jesus starts off this. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan wished to have you. 
But behold, but I, I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've returned, you can strengthen the brothers. And Peter responds, he's like, Lord, I'm ready to go both to prison and to death with you. Like, I don't know why you had to pray for me. I, I'm ready. I've got this. I got your back, Jesus. I'm with you. You see, Peter was a little self-reliant. In Luke chapter 22, verse 50, we see when the crowd comes to arrest Jesus as he and the disciples are in the garden, they come as a mob, and they're coming, and Peter draws his sword and cuts off one of the ears of the servants. Peter was ready to fight. He was, he was ready. He was going to defend Jesus. He wasn't going to let them take Jesus. He, he relied on his own efforts to try to protect Jesus. We also see that Peter was self-centered. Peter was self-centered. Matthew 26, Matthew's account of Jesus' foretelling of Peter's denial. He says, you're all going to betray me. You're all going to fall away because of me this very night. And Peter says, I don't care if all these other guys around me fall away. I will never fall away. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. Peter looks at Jesus and says, I don't, he said, I will never deny you. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And we know this story. Turn with me, hold your place in John 21, but turn to Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. And we will look at Peter's failure. This is, this is familiar to us. This is nothing we haven't heard before. But it's important as we consider John 21. Matthew 26. Read with me beginning in verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Just a little background what's going on here. Jesus and his disciples had just taken the Passover together. And Jesus tells his disciples that this very night, you're all going to fall away from me. You're all going to fall away because of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Jesus is predicting how all his disciples will flee. And Peter insists that even if everyone else becomes ashamed of Jesus and falls away, becomes disgusted with it, becomes not wanting to associate with Jesus. Peter says, I assure you, I will never fall away. And Jesus told Peter that this very night you will deny me. In just a couple of hours, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter insisted again that even if he had to die, he would never deny Jesus. We've all said things like this, right? We've all been confident there are things that we would never do, never, ever do. We would, as we're, we're at church on Sunday morning. We would never deny Jesus. I love my wife. I would never say that to her. I love my husband. I love my kids. I would never say that. I would never do that to them. We've all been certain of things that we would never do. Peter was the first disciple Jesus called, along with his brother, 
Peter was the one who confessed Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, and on whom Jesus said He would build His church. Peter was the bold one. Peter was the energetic one. Peter was the one who led. He was one of the three disciples who was closest to Jesus. Surely Peter meant what he said, that he would never do it. He would never deny Jesus. And we would look at Peter and say, there's no way he would deny him. I'm sure people would look at us and say, oh, they go to Hillcrest Baptist Church. Oh, they're a Christian. They would never do that. But yet we see, just a few verses later, in Matthew 26, verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl came up and saw him. And she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up to her, came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This first denial, Peter is following along Jesus into the courtyard as Jesus has been arrested and he is being taken to be tried and to be executed. And Peter's following along close behind. He's in the courtyard and this, this little servant girl, this little girl comes up to Peter and says, Hey, you were with Jesus. Well, Peter was just trying to play dumb like he didn't know what she was talking about. He said, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You're just a little girl. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Then again, Matthew says another young servant girl recognized him and said to all the bystanders, the, all everybody else was around with him, said, hey, this guy was with Jesus of Nazareth. This guy was with him. And this time we see that Peter denies it again, but with an oath, with a solemn promise that he does not know this man. By this point, everyone who is hanging around the courtyard is focused on Peter. They're seeing this, these encounters with Peter and Peter's denials of Jesus and they're looking at Peter and they're listening to him talk and they say, yeah, you're definitely one of those guys. You were definitely with Jesus. We're, we're listening to you talk. Your accent gives it away. Peter responds to them and emphatically denies that he knows Jesus. He invokes a curse on himself and swears that he doesn't know Jesus. We have some members in this congregation who serve in a public office where you've had to take an oath of office. And in doing so, uh, you're, you're making a solemn promise that you're going to uphold the office of which you're about to enter. You're, gonna, you're taking an oath that you're going to fulfill everything that this job requires and that this word can be trusted. Hey, you can trust me. I'm taking this oath. Hold me accountable to it. The understanding here is that what this person is doing, what this person is saying, is true, and that they're going to be held accountable for it. And if failure to uphold this oath, failure to uphold these responsibilities, there's punishment involved. What's well, the same idea here? Peter's saying, hey, I don't know this guy. I don't know this Jesus guy. And if I'm lying to you, if I'm saying I do, if I really know him and I'm saying I don't, then let something bad happen to me. That's basically the idea of what Peter's saying here. He's denying 
Jesus. Then we sadly, sadly read that immediately as Peter was saying these things, the rooster crowed. And Luke's gospel adds that Jesus looked at Peter. And Peter remembered how Jesus told him that before the rooster crowed that very night, that Peter would deny Jesus three times. Peter realized what he had done. Peter messed up. Peter sinned big time. He messed up. He did the very thing he said he would never do. And Peter went away and he wept bitterly. He was in such anguish, crying profusely because of what he had done. He blew it. He did the very thing he swore he would never do. Have you ever messed up? Have you ever messed up like this? You ever messed up really badly and you just knew it? You said something to a coworker, to a friend, to a spouse, to your parents, to your kids. And maybe as the words were coming out of your mouth, you knew that you had blown it and that what you said was really bad. And there was no way you could take it back. You realize what you've done and how badly you've messed up and you're broken over the situation. It's destroyed you and you feel as if there's absolutely no way that things can ever be made right again. That this relationship can be healed. Well, this is exactly what happened to Peter. As soon as the rooster crowed, Peter knew he messed up. Peter knew he had sinned. Peter knew he messed up and he sinned horribly and he had done the one thing he told Jesus he would never do. Peter felt hopeless and broken and he wept miserably. Then we see after Peter's denial, Jesus was taken before Pilate, sentenced to be executed. He was crucified on a cross and he died. And just remember, the disciples didn't have a full understanding of the resurrection. So Peter, I can just imagine Peter felt hopeless He said, I've denied my Lord, and now he's gone. There's no way I can make things right. And I'm sure as Jesus was being sentenced, Peter was just thinking about how badly he messed up. Peter blew it big time. And the last thing that we see him say to his Savior before his death is, I don't know you. One of his closest friends denying that he even knows him. Look with me now in John 21. John chapter 21. As I said earlier, John chapter 21 is one of these post-resurrection appearances where Jesus appears to his disciples. And we see from this chapter that he appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And something we see here is that Peter was fishing. Peter was fishing. What's what's the big deal about this? Verse 3 says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And the other disciples said, we'll go with you. What's the big deal about Peter fishing? Peter went back to what he knew. Peter was a fisherman by trade. And after he had sinned, after he had messed up, he thought that there was no way God would want to use him, that God would ever be able to use him again. And so he just went back to what he knew. How many of us have messed up? And he said, there's no way God could ever use me. And so we just kind of fall back into the routine of our lives, doing what we, just, what we know to do. Jesus appears to his disciples there fishing, and you know the story. 
They're out fishing all night. They can't catch anything. Jesus is standing on the shore, and they don't know it's Jesus yet. He's like, hey, you guys caught any fish? They're like, no. He said, why don't you cast a net to the other side? And I'm sure they were like, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought of that. They cast their nets to the other side. And we see that they had so many fish that they couldn't even haul it in. They couldn't haul in the amount of fish that they had. And we see that John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John turns to Peter and says, hey, it's the Lord. Peter throws on his outer garment, jumps in the water, and just takes off to shore to get to Jesus. Then the other disciples, they bring the boats in. They get to shore, and Jesus is standing on the shore cooking them breakfast. He's got some fish there over a fire. Fish for breakfast is not really appealing, but he's got some fish cooking, for fire, cooking on the fire for breakfast. They sit down, and they have breakfast. And I love this part where, um, in verse 12, when it says, Now none of the disciples dared ask him who you are. They knew it was Jesus. They knew it was Jesus who was calling out to them. Then we get to this conversation that Jesus has with Peter. Read with me starting in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him a third time, or he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So we see this conversation that Jesus has with Peter. Jesus questions Peter. Jesus questions Peter. Jesus asked Peter a question three times and challenged Peter's love and loyalty. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you love me? Notice what Jesus' question was. Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus didn't ask Peter, Peter, do you love my sheep? Jesus didn't ask Peter, Peter, do you love following me? Peter, do you love serving me? Hillcrest, first and foremost, we must ask ourselves, do we love Jesus? Do we love Jesus? Not do we love coming to help with the Easter egg hunt. Not, coming, not do we love coming to help with Night to Shine. Not do we love helping with Vacation Bible School or the clothes closet or food pantry. But do we love Jesus most of all? Do we love Jesus? Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. And then he said to Peter, feed my sheep. Our love for God is what is to drive everything we do. 
coming to serve, following after Christ, loving other people. All this comes from our love for God. Jesus wanted Peter to understand that he was to love him first above all else, and then out of this love, he would feed his sheep. But notice also what Jesus says to Peter each time he responds to Jesus. Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Notice what Jesus did not say. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You love me? That's not what you told the servant girl the other day. Oh, oh, you love me? Remember when we were sitting around the table and you told me that even if everybody else fell away, that you were ready to go to prison and to death with me? What happened to that? Oh, you love me? You swore an oath and you invoked a curse on yourself that you did not even know me. How is that loving me? Is that what Jesus said? It's not what Jesus said. Yet how quickly are we to say these things? How quick are we to write somebody off because of some sin in their life? How quick are we to dismiss someone from serving God because of a past failure? Oh, they did that. There's no way they love God. Oh, they did that. They, They messed up in that way. There's no way that they have a love for Jesus. Jesus did not bring up Peter's past failures. I don't think he had to. Peter looked at Jesus, and I'm sure he remembered the last thing he said to Jesus before he died. I I, I have no doubt that Peter remembered denying Jesus. That's not something you just forget. Jesus didn't have to. Jesus did not write off Peter because of his sin in the past. He did not dismiss Peter from following him because of his great sin. Instead, what Jesus does is offer Peter restoration. Jesus offers Peter restoration. As Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus is showing Peter that the grace and mercy of God is greater than his sin. God's grace is greater than our sin. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. God's grace is greater than our sin. Romans 5, 20 and 21. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace, you have been saved. Jesus was not holding Peter's sin over his head. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, you did this. I'm going to make you really show me you love me. Hey, you did this. Remember you did this? I don't think you love me that much. If you love me that much, you wouldn't have said this. You wouldn't have done this. Peter was not, Jesus was not holding Peter's sin over his head. Instead, Jesus restored Peter. Jesus restored Peter. 
He had covered Peter's sin with the blood that he shed on the cross. And now Jesus is restoring Peter. But to what exactly is Peter being restored? To what is Peter being restored? Yes, we get the idea that Peter sinned. He messed up. Jesus came and Jesus is having this conversation with him. He's restoring Peter. But to what is Peter being restored? Jesus restores Peter, but it doesn't in there. The text does not in there. Look with me in verses 18 and 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus didn't restore Peter so that Peter would feel better about himself. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't restore Peter so that Peter would feel better about himself. Jesus does not restore you and me so that we can feel better about ourselves when we make mistakes. Jesus doesn't restore us to say, hey, I know you feel bad because you messed up really badly, so I'm going to make you feel better. Here's a Band-Aid. Hope you feel better. That's not what the goal of Jesus' restoration. Jesus restored Peter so that he could prepare him for service. Jesus restored Peter so that he could prepare him for service. He restored Peter so that Peter would understand the grace of God and that this grace was greater than his sin. And as Jesus was helping Peter to understand this grace, he was preparing him for service. Jesus was restoring Peter so that Peter could be sent out into the world with the gospel. And if you read the book of Acts, you'll see what all Peter did after this. If you want to know what happens after God restores somebody back to himself for kingdom service, go read the book of Acts. See what happens to Peter. There's no indication here in the text that Jesus was trying to help Peter's emotions or feelings. Jesus wasn't trying to lift Peter's spirits after he failed miserably. In fact, Jesus even foretold Peter how he was going to die. And then he looked at him and said, now follow me. Jesus was preparing Peter for service. And we must understand, when we mess up, when we sin miserably, when we feel like there's no hope, when we feel broken, when we feel like we're too far gone, and we want God to restore us, the goal is not so that we will feel better about ourselves. The goal is always, always for His glory. God will restore us for His glory to send us out to advance His kingdom. Have you ever messed up so badly that you feel like you've blown in your relationship with God? Have you ever messed up so badly, maybe with someone else, a family member, a friend, coworker, that you feel like there's no way, there's absolutely no way that this relationship can be made whole? Have you ever done something or said something and you thought there's no going back on that? First of all, you're not alone. We've all been there. And secondly, God offers you restoration. God wants to restore you. Jesus didn't have to restore Peter. He wanted to restore Peter. Jesus chose to restore Peter so that he would get glory and so that he could prepare him for service. If you're a child of God and you belong to Jesus, you have been made new. 
And when you and I sin, 1 John tells us that we have an advocate. We have an advocate in Jesus Christ. And we can turn to our Heavenly Father knowing He is waiting to restore us and to make us whole again. Not for our sake only, but for His. For His glory to be advanced throughout the world. Praise God. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, if you've never turned to Christ, if you've never surrendered to Christ, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And God will restore you and God will give you new life and a new purpose. Maybe you've had a broken relationship with someone. Maybe because of something you've done. Maybe because of something they've done. And you've, you've needed God to restore that relationship. God offers you restoration. And let me close with this. Just a reminder. God's grace is greater than our sin. As long as somebody told me this recently, and I, I absolutely love this. As long as breath is still in your lungs, there's still hope for you. Turn to Jesus today. Find that restoration that you can only find in Christ. I invite you to come as we pray, as we respond to Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word.